everyone. Oh, hi. Oh! Hi, doggy. I feel like you get to be your most creative in your life <laughs> on the intros to these. Yeah. It's good to see you flourish. Yeah. Yep. That sounds like me. <laughs> All right. Um, we're back. back <laughs> yeah, you know something that I don't know what it says about. Sound a little sick. I'm getting over it. Mm-hmm. I, I was telling Indy, I was like, this is, I was like, you can see what getting older does to you because uh, our little nephew came over on Saturday to my place. Yeah. And he had has a cold, but he's just like coughing, but running around like crazy. Right. Like a wild man. Yeah. Then Indy, then we saw him again the next day mm-hmm. on Sunday. Then Indy gets sick and he stays home on Monday. Mm-hmm. And Monday night, I start feeling bad. Yeah. And so you can see, like, the progress. Mm-hmm. And I kept him home on Monday mainly because I felt bad because I heard him coughing in his room like crazy at, like, 1, 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah. Oh. And also, yeah, I couldn't, uh, I didn't sleep at all. Um or I didn't get good sleep that night either. So I was like, yeah, you can stay home. So anyway, Monday night, I start getting sick. And then yesterday, just like knocked me out mm-hmm. completely. And Indy's back at school, mm-hmm. singing karaoke after school, you know, loving life mm-hmm. on Tuesday. And I'm just completely, uh, I called into work. I spent all day trying to sleep, not able to sleep. Mm-hmm. And today I'm 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 upright. So Ugh. yeah, it's just it's just a cold that I'm getting over. But I realize like, yeah, I'm, I'm truly beyond the age where my body can encounter any germs and be like, nah, don't worry about it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, and my body's like, oh god, a, a germ. We're we're done. Yeah, we could you, die. Just stay in your bed for at least a day. At least a day. <laughs> Yeah. And and also it's one of those things like I I I got sick a good amount when I was a kid. None of it is memorable. Uh, but now when I get sick, I feel like I could die and it's the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Like I remember every time that I'm sick with the cold or or the flu. I guess it's just a part of getting older. Like when you're a kid, you just like get sick a bunch and you just kind of roll with it. And then when you get older, right, you're looking for answers mm-hmm. for everything. Like, why am I sick? And what does this mean? I think part of it too is getting sick when you're old is such a nuisance because it gets in the way of so many things. Yeah. It's like when you're sick when you're a kid, you just have a sick day and you stay home from school. But then it's like, well, now I, I'm not going to go to work. I got to think about how to get my kid to school or whatever. Yeah. I got to think about making dinner and all this stuff. And yeah, that that's true. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, for me, I guess maybe like it means more 
on your on oh, your. Oh, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I like, understand where you're. You think you're you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. It, it feels like you got into a car accident. Like that. That's what I feel. Sure. Like. Looking back, I'm like, I got hit by a car on 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 Monday night, mm-hmm. and then all Tuesday, and I can't believe. But no, I got a cold, and my body just reacted like it got hit by a car. Mm-hmm. Wow. Speaking of cars, I don't know what this. This is a meaningless observation, but I have a car that's not new enough to be like technologically like up to date, Mm -hmm. but it does have a rear view camera um, without those like telling you the graphics, without the graphics, without just the view. It's just a camera. Yeah. A cheap old camera that they could throw in the back. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not like modern cars will turn off your headlights, right? I mean, that's been a thing for like 20 years, I want to say. Well, my car can't handle turning off its own headlights. Well, I will. Yeah, I will say that that is probably going the way of like we've hit. We've like crested as a society to where technology got to a point where it's like, man, this can improve our life in so many ways. And then it became, now we're going to start, like, charging you for all of those little the incremental niceties. Mm-hmm. Now it's, I, I'm sure free. I'm sure there's a subscription you could sign up for that would automatically turn your lights on and off. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, my mine doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. It will, what happened tonight, I pull up, and God forbid, I pull my keys out before... I turn my lights off and my car does that like the most annoying, whatever alarm they put on cars Mm -hmm. to alert you that you're doing something wrong is the most annoying sound in the Mm -hmm. world. Like, I don't know how, I don't know if that was like scientifically engineered, (laughs) but it worked. Whoever designed it, uh, that particular alarm noise. Mm -hmm. And my first thought, was yeah what if i wanted to run my battery out <laughs> my decision sure like you know what i mean like <laughs> shut up leave me alone uh-huh. what if i what if this is my choice yeah isn't that no, also no like the libertarians argument <laughs> exactly. for abolishing the <laughs> fda or whatever exactly that's that's like that's probably me at my work <laughs> right. you know what i mean that's the worst impulse of, <laughs> of me coming out. Yeah. You blew it! Um, anything in particular you wanted to talk about? I mean, I got a few things. I'm more interested in your ever-growing list. Yeah, well, so I decided to... Delete it? I still have my list, but I decided to, on top of that, in addition to that, just start making little notes of things that I would have wanted to talk to you about to talk about on the podcast. Okay. You know, you know what I hate really quick before we go on? I hate the fact that I feel like if what I need to do is I need to like write out my perspective before I come on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I feel like every time I bring up, something to talk about 
I end up not making the point that I want to make. Sure. And I leave thinking that wasn't what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's all I have to add to that. My, my list would be, here's all the things that I don't think I articulated well. And it would basically be every single episode we've done up till now. Yeah, I agree. I definitely have those same thoughts, but that's why we're just two dorks who podcast for fun and not professionals until we figure this thing out. We're close. (laughs) We're close. One day soon, we're going to get on these mics and it's something's going to happen, but we'll realize it. And then we'll be on some network. Sure. Um, NPR. So I watched a couple movies. Okay. I watched inception. Yeah. For, for me, at this point, I feel like you telling me that you've watched some movies is is like uh-huh. e- equivalent to you almost being like, I hit my my fingers with a hammer a few times this this week. Uh-huh. I want to tell you about them. right. Like, well, I wanted to go back to Inception. I don't know why in particular, but I. I had a feeling of it kind of being the last Christopher Nolan movie that I enjoyed on some mm-hmm. level because after Inception it was Interstellar, right? Uh, in his canon, his yeah. filmography, Interstellar. Wait, wait, what would you ask? Inception, after? and then he made Interstellar. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't like Interstellar, and after that, I haven't watched anything else. Yeah, he always does little things. In between sometimes, but mm-hmm. go, go on, I'm going to look up. Have you seen Inception lately? Um, yeah. I think my biggest issue with it, I, I, it, it held up pretty much exact, exactly as I think when I first watched it. Indy grew disinterested and literally walked out of the room with like 20 minutes left. Yeah. The end is rough. The end, the third dream labyrinth or whatever like the james bond ice snow uh mountain whatever inception the dark knight rises then interstellar oh yeah dark knight rises is bad it sucks and i I didn't like interstellar either um that whole sequence i still didn't care for the thing that really bugged me about it and then I think is probably what I dislike the most about Christopher Nolan movies. But I think kind of makes sense. It definitely makes sense with Oppenheimer. I didn't see it, obviously. And I'm sure it also makes sense with Dunkirk as goofy of a... Of, or not Dunkirk. Um, Dunkirk also, but then Tenet as goofy of, of a premise Tenet is. His movies are so serious. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this movie about dream spies going into people's dreams and stealing secrets that are just like memories in people's minds. And it is treated with the utmost seriousness. There is, I clocked it because I was watching this movie and I was like, when is this going to lighten up a little bit and not take itself so seriously? In my mind, there is not a single joke, joke or levity to the movie at all until 50 minutes in when you get the brief sequence of them um, 
kicking Joseph Gordon-Levitt over in the chair, right? He's right. like going into his dream or whatever, and they keep kicking it over to wake him up. That is the first and only sequence of the movie that attempts humor at all. Julia said that I, you could probably make the argument that um, Tom Hardy is meant to be like comedic relief. He but does say... Lo- he does have that line about the gun. The big right? gun, right. Which is also like, I guess, I understand, like maybe, but it's just like, like chill out a little bit, guy. This don't. This doesn't need to be such a serious deal. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and it kind of taps into the, it's like a, it's like a weird almost, I don't know. I find it to be like comic book adjacent just because it feels to me like it's this weird like alpha male but emotional storyline and like I don't know it just is the the other thing that that really bugged me about it I didn't think Leonardo DiCaprio obviously a great actor right I didn't think he was bad in the movie but he feels miscast. <clears throat> Part of that feeling, I think, and I wonder if you've had this feeling at all recently. I don't know who we would apply this to, but part of that, I think watching it made me, I think it actually made me feel old for once. Watching Inception. Watching this mo- Inception because it's a bunch of like, what I'm assuming is like maybe mid 30 year olds, uh-huh. a little bit younger than me. But they're like adults doing adult stuff. <laughs> and so it made me feel like, do I not, does he seem wrong in this just because he's like younger than me? I mean, he looks young, obviously, uh-huh. but it just made me feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I ultimately, I feel like the older you get, the more you just see through the veneer of stuff right when you're young you think everything is cool because you don't know anything Mm -hmm. you know like i look back on some of the movies uh, well we've we've talked about this some of the movies i show indie that now i'm like that's embarrassing that sucks Mm -hmm. you know that's not good but man it it was so cool to me as a kid then you get older yeah you just like these people are none of this is real Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I think that's what bugs me about the movie, though, is like, I don't think, I don't know if Christopher Nolan knows it's not real. Like, going back to Terminator 2, you can watch Terminator 2 now, and it's a ton of fun. It's a great movie, Uh because it's trying to be a fun movie. It's, It's not taking itself super seriously, even though arguably it's more serious than Inception. But going back to Inception, it's like, Jesus, this is bleak and very, like, straight laced and like give me a give me a break here guy yeah yeah ultimately i think you're right i do feel especially with film i feel like there is something that whether it's just the nature of the medium or maybe it's the right move artistically Mm -hmm. is like a lot of filmmakers they are who they are and you have to learn to accept them based on who they are as artists and you really truly cannot like I, I don't know if I don't know if maybe film kind of 
reflects personality a little more directly mm-hmm. in terms I know that people say like films are made in the editing room and there's so many people working on it but still like Christopher Nolan I feel like he seems reflected in his movies he's the guy who like is always walking around in a suit right and so part of me is like I don't know that I'd want to watch a Christopher Nolan comedy I don't know that he would have those that that sensibility right but i wouldn't want to watch a james cameron comedy but he still knows how to like loosen it up a little bit i think you are watching unbutton the the suit i think you are watching a james cameron comedy though maybe yeah because i mean look what he's making now i thought you liked avatar no i i do as a as a visual experience Mm -hmm. but you want to talk about a movie that has no humor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Sure. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, one other thing that you said that I wanted to make a comment on, but now I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, like a big part of me is just like accepting artists a- as who they are. And yeah, with with Nolan, he's not a funny guy. Sure, but that can make your movies feel like a drag. Although I will say, I, I still feel like I haven't thought about this, but I, I'll say right now, his best movie, I think, does have humor in it, and that's Memento. You think that's his best movie? I don't remember it. No. Fits. I'm not even entirely sure I've seen it. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> number one. You definitely have because that was a movie that in college I would be. Yeah, everyone loved it. I would have foisted it on you. But number two, it does involve a guy with short-term memory loss. You might get a lot from it. Uh-huh. It might really speak to you. Sure. You're going to feel seen. Um. All right. The other movie I watched, and I'm curious if you watched this because you said you were thinking about watching with Indy. Uh-huh. No One Will Save You. No one will save you. Oh, the horror movie. Yeah, I I didn't watch it. Okay, not a ho- well. It's a home invasion. It's an alien movie, and there's no speaking. And there's no speaking. Um, is it funny? Yeah, I was gonna say. Speaking of taking yourself too seriously. Um, is it funny? I don't think there's any attempts at humor. It's definitely not funny. I heard one of the aliens is funny looking. I mean, all of the aliens look like aliens, more or less. It's one of those things where I think my biggest issue, my biggest gripe with it is the no talking thing. Because there are like one or two lines of dialogue which obviously are meant to be extremely meaningful since there is no talking in the movie except for this. But the no talking thing is interesting because you can tell from like second 10 that these people thought because there's not going to be any dialogue in this movie, we need to crank up all other mouth noises people make. (laughs) (laughs) So there's just a ton of like, ah, Like, just limitless grunting mouth noises that are turned up just a little bit too loudly. 
and it really bugged me. And there's also, I feel like, I I think we were talking about this the other day somewhere, the whole like concept of like, yeah, but it was done in one shot, right? Right. It, to me, those have started to feel arbitrary. And to me, this decision to make there be only one line of dialogue felt very arbitrary because there are long stretches of the movie that deal with aliens and that deal with that would be perfectly suitable and logical for there to be no lines of dialogue whatsoever. There are also scenes in the movie where two or three characters are just looking directly at each other, not saying anything. And it's like, (laughs) it's just so unnatural. Right. It's like nobody in this situation would not say anything to each other, despite how you're trying to play it off, you know? Yeah. So it just feels a little goofy. With that being said, it's not a serious movie. It is a goofy movie. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's an alien invasion movie. It gives you, or it gives me, it gave me at least everything that you would want out of an alien invasion movie. Okay. You see the aliens, you see the spaceships. There's like every single trope to an alien movie you'd want to see is in this movie. Um, the first 10 or 15 minutes really had me going. Um, and then it kind of turns into something different. I mean, it's also one of those movies where it's like, I think they mentioned it on besties and how, wherever I heard it mentioned, it was one of those movies. Where it's like, just go watch it. Don't read anything about it. Don't watch the trailer. So I wasn't really sure what to expect. And so I kind of, after the first couple of minutes, was expecting basically like an hour and a half long woman trapped in a house with an alien. And that's not what the movie is. Um, but so, so, so that's good. So it like opens up. Yeah, it opens up. It okay. becomes something totally different. And I, I was fine with that. But it, yeah, it was just one of those things where it's like, I didn't come out of it blown away. And I didn't come out of it being like, you need to go watch this. Again, getting in my work slack and being like, go watch this. And then somebody being like, I watched new guy. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I feel like, again, with, with you, sometimes I feel like it, you watching movies to me seems like an experience that 90% of the time is going to be <laughs> unpleasant for you. My fart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was for fine. You, yeah. I think it'd be fun to watch with Indy. Okay. It's not like, I mean, horror, I th- I think it's probably horror just by definition, but there's nothing like overly gory about it. It's not, I don't remember there being like a ton of jump scares, but it's, you know, it's fun. Just a fun alien movie. Indy is getting to that point where um, I showed him a, a few horror movies mm-hmm. for Halloween season here. I told you about Misery. Mm-hmm. Truly... <laughs> Truly a miserable him. experience. Um, although he 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 said that he really does like it. Like mm-hmm. looking back on it, you, just said it truly scared him. Um, Host, a movie mm-hmm. called Host, which I really like, about people having a seance over Zoom. And oh, not the host, not the host. Okay, host. Mm-hmm. Um, you would like this. Okay, it's like seventy minutes long. Is it one of these movies that's like 
all shot from the computer screen or whatever. Uh Mm -hmm. And it's like 70 minutes long. Those movies, for some reason, are like compulsively watchable. Yeah. No matter how good or bad they are. Yeah. It's, there's just something about it that feels like, yeah, I could watch an hour of a half of this. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. You know why? Because I think there's so much for you to fixate on. Like uh, on this, I'm I'm watching like how do they do the tech? So it's all through Zoom. Yeah. And I'm just looking at all like the Zoom stuff. I'm like, oh, yep, that's right. Oh, yep, yep. You know. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you can, you're you're looking for like details as uh, along with the story, mm-hmm. but and that that went over really well. Um, that's a really fun movie. And then the other day he said, Hey dad, is there a movie that is like the scariest movie ever, <laughs> but there's nothing like horrifying. Like there's no blood or anything in it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I got you. He goes, Oh no, I don't want to watch it. I, I just want to know. <laughs> just curious. I, I just want to know if that exists. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you don't want, he's like, no, uh-huh. <laughs> what were you going to say? Well, I, I got excited because, you know, that is, and, and I would say that not enough people do this, not mm-hmm. enough people. And what's frustrating is anytime that I listen to like film people talk, they all agree on the same basic principles to not see is better than to see. Right. The suggestion of something scary is 99% of the time a hundred times scarier mm-hmm. than what is shown. And um, I feel like with indie and with a lot of other people in like horror, there's been a move away from like graphic depictions of things. Mm-hmm. When we were coming up. That was huge. Remember the old torture porn, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. genre, hostile, hostile and, and martyrs. Oh. Yeah, all the saw. Mm-hmm. I feel like now, and part of that, I think, is because technology has gotten so good that before it was like, what would it look like for a face to be filled with syringes? Mm-hmm. You know, um, now you're like, well, I, I can see a realistic heart beating in someone's ha- hand mm-hmm. on like a TV show, you know? I don't know that I need to like go to your movie to see this like crazy you know, mm-hmm. unseen, horrific vision. Oh, also, well, you know what? No, screw that. You know what I think it is? I think it's the fact that right now you and I can pull up on YouTube someone having surgery. Yeah. We can watch a surgery video. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I mean? Like, well, not only that, it's like, yeah, I just, I woke up this morning and accidentally saw some Russian soldiers get bombed by a drone. Yeah. On Reddit. Yeah. What is, yeah. It's, what is hostile going to do for me? Exa- exactly. And so <clears throat> you, you would think that there would be a bigger, like more to pull from mm-hmm. in this, in this genre. But I mean, immediately I thought of Blair Witch Project. Oh yeah. You mm-hmm. know, uh, again, I think a movie that is like pure su- suggestion. Uh, and, paranormal activity. Yeah. Pa- paranormal activity, I think is, is a good one. And then there's others like that. So mm-hmm. those are the ones that, that I was thinking of, and he does not want to watch them. No. Have you watched The Frighteners? Yeah, love. Frighteners love. is great. And, and and The Frighteners, I think with, with horror, I'm interested in two main interpretations, right? Mm-hmm. One is the Blair Witch Project, like 
we have a scary mythology and we're mm. going to give you a piece of it. You know what I mean? It, it's almost Lovecraftian in, in the way that it plays out, you know? This mm. suggestion of a deeper horror that you're never able to witness, um, but clearly has dramatic impact on the people who, who've witnessed this thing. So, mm. yeah, that... The other strain is the Frighteners, just off-the-wall, bonkers, zany. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And moments where you're like, this is a comedy. Straight-up comedy. And funny, actually. And now I'm I'm really scared, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, the end of the end, the whole like third act of the Frighteners is intense, right? He's hiding under the bed. I remember it stark really going from like flipping a switch and being like, okay, now I'm actually kind of freaked out. Absolutely. Okay. And it also, I, I wonder, it just feels like Hollywood is the worst place to end up, uh, as an artist because I think about people like Peter Jackson mm-hmm. and all these people who've made movies that are like unique visionary mm-hmm. and they go to Hollywood and they all turn into the same, pe- same person, you know, he, Peter Jackson spent like 10 years restoring old world war one photos and colorizing <laughs> them, you know, it's uh, like listen that's a noble <laughs> endeavor sure but why does everybody go to hollywood and end up a military right. person you know like, your career started with like ghouls <laughs> and blowing up heads and stuff like that like puppets <laughs> what happened yeah yeah and now you're like here's the definitive look at world war one right that I, you know even lord of the rings i'll say was like it's because of his unique vision then it is like king kong Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Have you watched the thing with Indy? That has been on the list. I was thinking about it, and somebody posted a little clip of the uh. guy's head bending <laughs> off, and I was like, "Oh no, I can't! I can't!" I've been trying. To get Julia to watch it because it's such a great movie. It really but is. But the practical effects are so insane. And it's like one of those things where it's like, how does this look so bad? Right? Clearly, obviously, this but. is just like puppets and stuff. But it also looks insane and crazy and it freaks me out. It's effective. <laughs> yeah. It looks fake and effective. I, again, watching just that one little bit, you're like, oh, I can see the rubber. Ma-. But his face <laughs> is still horrifying. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I know that that would be too much. The thing that I... So Indy and I watch TV shows together yeah. probably more than anything. We, we just are about to finish Reservoir Dogs, which... Reservation I, Dogs? Reservoir, yeah. I say that because... Mm-hmm. So Reservation Dogs... You blew it! I did blow it, which I do think is really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, again, for you, I think you, <laughs> I think you have to be in tune with the uh-huh. characters emotionally. 
I don't sure. know that there is much for somebody who's like, you know, looking for pure entertainment value apart from like, I really want to identify with these kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was trying to think what show is next. And I've been struggling. The one show that I thought of, because he, he asked about the movie. Um, the movie? Well, well he, he asked about the movie Fargo. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I was like, oh, is Fargo the TV series the next thing? Is that uh-huh. is that what we watch? And I'm trying to first off, I'm trying to remember back to the first season of Fargo, and then the I think I think he could handle the movie. Mm-hmm. The some of the violence is, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember the some of the violence and the blood being very intense. When the cop <laughs> gets shot in the head and blood spurts yeah. out the top, that was one experience I remember as a kid being like, I I think that's what it looks like when you get shot in the head. <laughs> I think I just actually saw one get shot in the head. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. That feels, it doesn't feel made up, yeah. you know? Um, so th- there's that, but there's, yeah. So that's what's kept me. But they just released a trailer for the new Fargo season. Mm. Um, and it looks pretty great, mm-hmm. um, this this new one. So, uh, but yeah, I don't, I just don't think Fargo, maybe another year and he'll be ready. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of trailers, did you see the new Jonathan Glazer trailer? Yeah, Zone of Interest. Zone of Interest. That's the guy that did Under the Skin, right? Yes. That's another movie I would love to go back to, and I. It's it's also one of those movies that I walk the line of like, do I recommend Julia watching oh, this? That one's be- tough yeah. because it it obviously has like a female slant to it, right? Like it's a totally. lot of the commentary from of, of the movie is about the female experience totally. in, in the world, or whatever. Yeah. Do I run the risk of recommending that and it turning into like this movie has just filled me with anxiety and ruined my <laughs> nights? <laughs> uh, but I remember loving it. I haven't seen it since we saw it in the theater. Yeah, that was one that you and I saw together. Have you heard anything about Zone of Interest? I just watched the trailer. I don't know anything about I it. I have. Do you? Are you interested in knowing anything about it or? Yeah, I'm sure by the time it comes out, I'll have forgotten everything. I've already forgotten what the trailer's about. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so one thing that I'm um, that I was interested in too is reading the book that's based off of. Okay, and it's written by um, Jonathan Ames. Um, Isn't he also a movie guy i've heard the name before yeah so he he wrote um you were never really here which was uh based on the uh that that a a movie adaptation was was based on which is really great and he created and wrote um bored to death oh okay um and so yeah, he is a guy that I've, that I've already read some of his stuff and been interested in. But this is kind of about um, 
Hold on one second, actually. Let me make sure I am. I am 90%. No, dang it. It's a a different novelist. Oh, it's not Jonathan Ames. It's not Jonathan Ames. It's Martin Amos. It's kind of close. Thank you. (laughs) I, I appreciate it. As soon as I was saying it, I was like, wait, I don't think that's right because this book is nothing like what he's written before. Mm-hmm. And it would be kind of weird. Um, but zone of interest, from what I understand, is like a look at a family that is living next to a concentration camp where literally the concentration camp is like on the other side of their palatial you know, palace walls, so mm-hmm. to speak. So it just follows these, this Nazi family as they live their life, go swimming in the pool, mm-hmm. ride on their horses, and just in the background of their little get-together, you just see smoke mm-hmm. rising, which is, you know, people being burnt. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is like slow cinema where... Not a lot happens, um, but the whole time you're just thinking, yeah, there's a concentration camp right there. Yeah. So I'm I'm really interested in it. And it, to me, again, the older that I get, the more I've come to embrace this kind of, um, <clears throat> this head fake towards this um, suggestion rather than depiction mm-hmm. of things. So not just in horror, but like Scorsese gets it all the time where people say like he doesn't denounce the evil of his characters. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to trying to drink down a cough. <coughs> Didn't work. God forgive me. Exactly. So you know, Scorsese so much so much gets blamed, right, for not <clears throat> denouncing clear enough the sins of his characters. And in this already, you know, so number one, big, like, positive reviews on Zone of Interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there are some people who are already pushing against the, the fact they didn't show anything. Right. Mm-hmm. That's all suggestion. He never, he never like um, breaks that wall and shows you the concentration camp. Mm-hmm. But um, again, my thing is, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, especially because look at the world that we're living in now. Right. This is the world post life is beautiful mm-hmm. where we can have a heartwarming concentration camp tale that shows like the horrors of the war but also the love of a father and a son mm-hmm. like, you know what i mean as treacly and weird um as as probably those people want right it makes you feel bad about the holocaust and your takeaways are like but the human spirit can survive and is so clear and you're and you're good with it and yet you can still then turn around <clears throat> 
and like purport a world of horrific violence. You know what I mean? I don't know. I did, and and especially that that support of horrific violence coming out of Hollywood. I think it's probably the the biggest point that I'm trying to make here, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like these are the people who ostensibly love cinema and love the values that good cinema purport, which, you know, Roger Ebert said, you know, films are a machine for empathy, right? That that's what they do. They just generate care and concern and thought and curiosity and feeling about people from other backgrounds. And yet when you clearly depict and spell out your lessons, I think it allows for audiences to ignore the deeper considerations, right? Because they can just feel the big emotions, right? Oh, it made me cry. I'm such a good person for it making me cry. Mm-hmm. Okay, now here's a movie about the Holocaust that's all ideas. Well, I didn't cry. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't, it should have made me cry. It, it, where it's like, well, maybe the maybe the ideas are deeper. Maybe, you know sure. what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, some of that to me seems to, to, sounds like it walks a little too closely to like, um, cancel culture, whatever you want to call it. Just the idea of like, you just can't talk about this thing, period. Right. You, yeah. you can't present this thing in this way, period. doesn't matter what you're trying to say. The thing with Scorsese though, is I feel like that critique largely falls on the shoulders of Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. But I, Wolf of Wall Street brought a lot of people out from the, from the, sewers to say like, well, I've been feeling this way since Goodfellas. You know, it's like, sure. Uh, Yeah. But from my, I I mean, I, I felt that way about Wolf of Wall Street. And I wonder if the feeling is more because those, like I had, I have no doubt before I even saw the movie and I had no doubt after watching the movie that like Scorsese thinks these are bad people. That was never a question to me. But the movie definitely seems to glorify the lifestyle. I don't think you can make that argument about like Goodfellas and King of Comedy or whatever else. But I think maybe part of what makes it feel so bad is that like the the people in Goodfellas in our society get handled more or less. You know what I mean? Mm. Like those people don't live normal lives in society more or less. Yeah. The, you could argue that Wolf of Wall Street. And again, maybe this is not Scorsese's fault. Maybe this is not the movie's fault. Maybe not like revitalized. Uh, Jordan Belfort's career but it didn't help or it, it didn't hurt and he's like kind of super successful again with all the NFT stuff isn't it and so I think maybe the critique more is it it gets a little blurry or maybe it hurts a little bit more because these financial crooks don't get dealt with and they do just keep being successful and get away with all this stuff they do. Yeah. I think the, I think the pull of that lifestyle doesn't come from Hollywood though. I think that comes from a deep seated like greed Mm -hmm. that 
you're either raised with or you view through your Ivy League, you know, school or your your uh, finance class. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, for me, I feel like there's enough in Wolf of Wall Street to make me see him as the butt of the joke mm-hmm. and not cool. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, to, to, to each their own. But I just feel like people conflate not feeling or not being pushed to a big emotion to the film's fault, you know? Mm. Especially when you're dealing with, like, a slower film or a more contemplative film. And there's a frustration to deal with ideas, you know? I told you, Killers of the Flower Moon, I went and saw. Mm. And I forgot why I texted you exactly, but it was something like, this movie will kill someone who <laughs> uses TikTok right now. Like it will make it will make their brain explode. Yeah. And I feel like and I, I feel like that's absolutely true. And the runtime and the in the movie and a lot of what I hear in in the conversation is all about the length. Mm-hmm. Which did you listen to the um last uh casino boys? No. Where they where they talked about it? Mm-mm. Uh, I mean, not in, they talk about it in depth. No, but they say pretty much all you need to say. Yeah. I think I, they also talk about Irish, Irishmen and Irishman. all that. Yeah, yeah. I did listen to that. They, yeah. They, they, they just said, uh, killers of the flower moon. Yeah. If you don't, um, if you don't have three hours, you know, just stop being a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What else I mean, are you going to do? For that's not thing? how it works for, though. It, First of all, it's not just three hours, okay? The movie itself is three and a half hours long. Uh Over three and a half hours long. Plus... I'm just telling you what they said. Okay. but I'm I'm telling you what what I would say to them if I was on the podcast with them. It's over three and a half hours long. Okay. Right? Yes or no? Correct? Their point still stands, but go on. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yes. Does not. Because some of us work real jobs... We're not fucking casino podcasters. We can't okay? bring up our jobs in this conversation. Let me make my point. The movie is over three and a half hours long. A, correct, right? Okay. There's an intermission. How long is the intermission? Incorrect. There is no intermission. There's no intermission, so it's just three hours long. Okay, fine. There's previews. How long are the previews? Show up late. 30 minutes. You, you have assigned seating. That's four Shut hours. Up. So come half okay. hour late. That that's just four hours. That four hours is contained just sitting in in a movie theater. Now you have to add on travel time, going to the movie, coming home from the movie. Da 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 da. da. You're looking at to watch this movie at least four and a half hours. At least, I can sneak away from my job to watch a movie that's two hours long. I cannot sneak away. I, in order to watch this movie, I'm going to have to take at least half a day off work just to go watch one movie. Okay. And that's if I can fit it in either dropping the girls off at school or making sure I'm home when they get home. Right. Okay. I'm just saying, it's a big time commitment. I'll also say this. I rewatched the trailer. I do really want to see the movie. 
I can admit when I'm wrong and my gut reaction of this fucking movie so long, why is it so long, is a bad take, but it still is a long movie and okay. it's a big commitment to go watch. You can't just pretend like a three and a half hour movie is not a big commitment to go watch. All right. It's a lot of time to sit in a theater. It's a big commitment to, to, to watch. Um, yeah. I, here's, here's a question for you. Does watching movies at other people's houses feel like a weird thing to do? It's not something I've done in a while. I think the last time I watched a movie at somebody else's house was probably watching Barbarian at your house with Chris, right? Yeah. yeah. I was, that didn't feel weird to me, but it was a long time ago. Well, I was thinking because like, yeah, watching movies was something that I loved. I loved in high school. Mm-hmm. Getting everyone together, running out to Blockbuster. I was the guy at family gatherings that was just waiting for the lull to happen that I knew was going to happen mm-hmm. and be like, let's go Blockbuster. Like, let's go get a movie because now it's eight o'clock. We've said all we had to say to each other. We're just going to be sitting around. Sure. Let's, let, let's get a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now I was thinking, because like I was trying to get you and Bill um, together and I'm really excited just to like, yeah, play, play board game with you guys. But I was like, what if, what if I was like, come over and watch a movie? Mm-hmm. I was like, for some reason that feels weird now. Like for, for me, like mm-hmm. conceptually. Sure. Like, Hey, let, let's, let's get everyone over here and we'll watch a movie together. But I was like, that's the, that's the thing that everyone does now. Like why, why wouldn't it be more common now that everyone is comfortable with watching films in their homes to just do that with other people. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering, like, is it because it's more of a solitary act, like at least in my life now, where I watch it alone or like with indie, um, that now thinking about other people being there makes it awkward or or what? I don't know. Well, I think part I think part of it, I think probably the biggest part of it is that a movie is like an anti-social, like Everyone comes over. Everyone comes over to the house. You play a board game. Everyone's still interacting with each other. It's like let's all sit down and watch a movie. Okay, now for two hours, nobody's talking to each hey, other. I'll, I'll ask or you just about your job right before we watch the movie. <laughs> you know I'll what say, I mean? Though I'll see how it's that's going. probably what makes it at least seem like it would be awkward. Yeah. Um, well, so I'm I'm also a big believe I'm a big believer in um, 4K is the end of home viewing technology. Mm -hmm. But have you heard of 8K? I have, and it's not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. Like, Not interested in 8K. I think 4K, UHD, ultra high def, that's it. So you don't think anything after 4K will ever be adopted as the standard? I think what comes next is something that we haven't, that we haven't seen yet. Mm, okay. You know, like what, what you're talking about, Google goggleless mm-hmm. VR, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I, I think in terms of like visual technology, I don't know if you have like an OLED TV mm-hmm. and you have a 4k UHD disc, I think you did it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also believe in physical media again. Number one, I think owning stuff is cool mm-hmm. um, physically. I, I, I like that. Um, 
And I think digitally things can disappear or sure. things can be down. And then you can't watch that thing. If you don't have any physical media to back it up, yeah, all it takes is a power outage. A storm blows through. And uh, yeah, we can't. Well, and then just go read a fucking book. Why you got to yeah, watch something? Pa- power outage is a bad, <laughs> bad, bad example. But, but internet. internet sure, I hear what you saying. Yeah. So, so anyway, I bought some. Criterion had a uh, sale, mm-hmm. 50% off, like they normally do. And something that I didn't know they did, but then somebody posted on Twitter, thank God. Um, if you subscribe to their channel, which I do, every like so many months, they'll give you a $10 voucher mm-hmm. to their website. I didn't know this. Also, those vouchers stack. Mm-hmm. So I went through my email and I had like six. Mm-hmm. And then they're running a 50% off sale. So I jumped on. And I basically typed in 4K UHD because they just started releasing 4K UHD discs. <clears throat> which I think, again, is as far as we're going to get to, they only have like 12 movies, 10 movies at, mm-hmm. at that level. But I bought them, uh, not all of them, but I bought enough with my with my uh, vouchers. Uh, and then, yeah, I was immediately like, at least one of them is a movie that I've been trying to get you to see for a while. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, now I own it. But I was like, I wonder, could I, could I say like, hey, Justin, come over? Or could I be like, hey, I'll come over and we'll watch this? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just, I don't know why that, why that seemed weird to me. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. I think it's just not a traditional what adults do when they go over to each other's house. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like it would have been, like, I, did, I don't know, yeah, maybe I would have grown out of it in the same way. Um. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, when I go back, when I think about my parents hanging out with their adult friends when they were adults... Never once did they go see a movie. Did even go to the theaters with somebody well, else? They, they they had to string up their little. Uh, they had to have someone crank the reel. <laughs> sure. On there. No, no. You know what they did though? They watched the stupid carousel slides of their latest vacation. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um. Going back to killers of well, never mind. I don't. I'm not. I'm not interested in that. Um. Have a couple more things. Do you want to go to them or do you want to? Let's go. Did you? What did you think of the new? The phone, hit the head. Idol song. Dancer. Mm-hmm. I like it. They're, they're they're moving clearly in a in a like based on their last album, which I showed Indy mm-hmm. again. Got back into like so. Indy is a big Idols fan now. Mm-hmm. Um. Started with Joy as an act of rebellion. Mm-hmm. And then um, I show I show him the, the, the last album. And that that was like, a cl- well, not not their last, because then Mono came after Ultra that, Ultra right? Mono. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Ultra Mono. And then, do you have it up? What, what was the album after it? Uh, it was Brutalism. Well, that, there's Joy. a re-release, right? Oh, yeah, okay. And then uh, Ultra Mono and then Crawler, right? crawler right so yeah and then and now tang tang but yeah they, they, they're clearly moving their sound in a 
direction. And uh, I'm here for it. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It didn't really do it for me. Okay. Um, Even those two clips you just played got me pretty worked up. I like it. What are two more things? What are your favorite chips? Favorite chips? Um, so I would have to say recently the kettle corn popcorners. Okay. Um, the meth chips. Meth? Why? Why are they called meth chips? Isn't that what? Um, isn't that what they made on Breaking Bad? Kettle corn popcorners. No, on Breaking Bad they made meth, right? Yeah. And then the the popcorners people did an ad where Walter White was holding a popcorner chip or whatever. You don't remember that? The way your memory works for you to have forgotten all the things that you've forgotten, and yet... I'm going to Google Popcorners meth. You're going to Google? Yeah. Popcorners swaps meth for chips. What the hell is this? <laughs> In nostalgia-fueled Breaking Bad Super Bowl ad. Then, yeah, the meth chips. Okay. Um, but... I have to say, those popcorners are maybe the number one leading chip in what what previously was held by Cooler Ranch Doritos, mm -hmm. where you can get one chip that you eat that's perfectly mm -hmm. dusted, and you're like, is there anything better mm -hmm. than this in the whole entire world? And then 10 straight chips of... It's just a plain tortilla where's, chip. Yeah, where's, the, <laughs> where's the hit that I got? That, and then you grab This one chip one. sucked it off all the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it, it does have that problem. Mm -hmm. but, but I also am just like uh, always down for salt and vinegar. Mm -hmm. If we're going traditional chip. Yeah. Always down for salt and vinegar. Always down for a good salty, salty chip. Mm -hmm. Um. I, I kind of don't understand people who claim, especially chips, are too salty. Like, I know that can... I've heard that knock against Tostitos. Oh, they're, mm -hmm. they're so salty. And I'm like, yeah, that's, kinda, that's why the they rock. That's the whole point, yeah. You know? Um, so, like, yeah, good, like, Tostito, good, like, sun chip, just straight up salt mm -hmm. sun chip. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about you? Uh, I've been having, like, a jalapeno phase jalapeno lena okay um and so i've been trying all the different jalapeno chips i don't know why the way you say jalapeno is that the name of the song jalapeno lena i think you're saying an jalapeno yo yeah but there's a song that's called like jalapeno jalapeno lena All right, buddy, start singing. Has anybody seen Jalapena Lena? Jalapena Lena. Uh, do you know who this guy is? 
This guy is the guy that originally wrote. So I've been going through all the different jalapeno chips. Okay. And Ruffles makes a jalapeno and ranch chip that is been scientifically engineered to please you be addictive to me and probably me only and i cannot stop eating them do you have some downstairs i don't Uh, they don't last i will buy a regular sized bag and it will last maybe a day and a half I, i have to stop buying them it's that bad for me so and, and ruffles are the ones with ridges. Yes. Right? Um, and they taste not entirely, but very closely like something else that I can't put my finger on. Okay. I really want to taste That's it. That's a, a little nostalgic. Okay. I, I also am a big proponent of bad tastes on chips. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, I'll eat a chip. I'm like, ooh, I like that. Someone else eating there. That's this. That's the worst thing I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you're wrong. So maybe I'll maybe I'll like it. The jalapeno, jalapeno Lena ruffles. Uh, last thing I've got. So I read all these books about the Donner Party. Uh huh. Or I read one book about the Donner Party, and then I read one like fanfic about the Donner Party. <laughs> Then you wrote your own fanfic. For uh, the and then Party. I was listening to that basketball podcast that I recommended to you the other day on the, goat. on the goat. And they had someone write in with like a Halloween recommendation for this episode of some PBS series about the Donner Party. And he's like, I remember watching it as the kid and it was the scariest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, so I was like, oh, that's interesting. Let me look that up. So I looked it up and I watched it. It was interesting enough. But it had, but it the, it raised the age old question, or at least the question I feel like this probably came up a lot when we were kids. The Donner Party was like the Donner Party, like the alive people, right? This question of eating other people was like a big question when we were kids, was it not? You, you thought that you would face that at question. some point. You at would have some to point in right? your life. You're like. I will have to decide if I'm going to eat people. I need to talk about this with all my friends tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Do you consider, is there an ethical form of cannibalism? I mean, sure, right? Or or I guess what I would say, do you find the act of cannibalism inherently, like, sinful, I guess? Like, there's, like, a weird, like, moral, (laughs) but there's, like, a weird moral, like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't eat another human. Like, there's something wrong with that in nature, I guess. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah, it feels wrong. Right. How does that read to you? Do you do you feel that way? or? Um, I mean, it's something where what you hope is you hope that any species looks at another of its kind and goes, yeah, I can't eat that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? You, you hope so. So anytime you hear, like, I remember being a kid and having hamsters and coming... Oh to, yeah, to to check on the seven newborns in in the cage and seeing just seven vertebrae. Yeah, because the mom just ate them all. Right, and being like, God, 
horrible. That's not just cannibalism. That's familicide or whatever. (laughs) She doubled down. (laughs) Most evil hamster in the world. Um, Our hamster did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What what is that? Yeah. That is strange. What thing did they not develop that said, eat this thing you just gave birth to? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, but yeah, so I mean, fundamentally on, on that basis, um, I, I, he's chasing something. Mm -hmm. Um, so on that basis, I would say like, yeah, there, there's something inherently problematic. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you going to say... It's, I don't think so, no. Yeah, it's awakened you a <laughs> desire to try... Human I guess knowledge. I just don't understand what the difference is between... What difference does it make that you're the same thing? Like, I could understand it being like, well, I'm a vegetarian. I'm not going to do it. I don't eat meat. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, meat is meat. You, you, need, you need one more... Would you eat monkey? You need one more level of removal. Like one more reason. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I, I can get, I don't get eat Now, if you're a vegetarian, uh, okay. I get that. If you have I mean, if it comes to, if we're talking about survival, then no, there's, I don't see any issues with, with whatsoever. But the question you run into, especially with the Donner party is like, well then, you know, cause the Donner party very quickly turned into, they, they made the decision to like eat, whoever dies first mm-hmm. and then it very quickly became, Hey, let's go kill these two Mexican guys <laughs> and eat them. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, you run into that obviously, but like, you know, in a vacuum or whatever, I don't have an issue with it um, and I don't see why it would be different than eating a cow. Okay. See, I, I think, I think you're part of me feels like the only way you would, you would ever, the, the true way to get you to change your mind is to have you eat human flesh. <laughs> and I think after you <laughs> ate that and digested it, I think you'd probably be like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's weird. You know? I mean, yeah, weird, I guess weird I could get, but wrong is no, more what I'm looking I, for. I, I would go so far as to say, you'd probably say, yeah. M- morally true. or like universe, like it's wrong in the, in the, it's a wrong, it's a universal wrong. Right. Right, like now, now it, it's interesting when God, you when you talk about forgive me, like morally, like that is kind of yeah. I, I don't know that you can make like a moral case, but for it to feel wrong, I think it's pretty understandable. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, feelings are personal. I'm, who am I to dictate what your feelings are going to be? I'm just saying it doesn't. Again, I think your cavalier attitude would change distinctly. Uh, sure, a of course. human leg was put in front of you and someone's like, we have to eat. I, I just think that you would then realize like, oh, this is what I wasn't getting. Okay. All right. Now, I think that you could still eat it. But I think to say it's like cow is kind of ridiculous. It's just like, would you eat dog? I No, but I don't have anything like, I guess I don't, I don't understand the, I don't know. I just don't, there's a level of it that doesn't register for me for some reason. Mm-hmm. I understand why it would be weird 
especially in our culture, because dogs are pets. They're not food. But like in a culture where dogs are traditionally food, they obviously don't feel weird about it. Humans are friends, not food. Right. But okay. But in, if I'm in a cannibalistic tribe where humans are food, then humans are food. I mean, listen, if you're raised by any freak, anything that that freak says is good, you'll be like, yeah, that's fine. I don't see what's wrong with that. Sure. All right. Well, that's all I had. Again, not all cannibalistic tribes are freaks. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Suck my white ass! Um, yeah. So that's, So we knocked out a good chunk of your list, huh? No, that was just the stuff I wrote down this week. And that is not even everything I wrote down from this week. Oof. I got a pretty major one that I don't think we would want to talk about right now. Okay. Um, can you give me one old... Like, I feel like... Yes, I will give you one old one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, man, let's knock something okay, off. Okay, here's list. something I've been meaning to ask you about for a long time. Okay. Travels with Charlie. The book. Okay. By... Travels with Charlie. Um, I Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway. Right? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I Have it. you read that? You know, I'm I'm gonna say no, um, because my my Hemingway when I got really into Hemingway was so long ago, and I can't remember. But that's yeah, that, that was his travelogue, right? Yeah. So he went. Uh, oh, Hemingway. John Steinbeck. Steinbeck. So he traveled the country with his dog. And this is oh a book. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. I did. My Steinbeck period was before my, and that was, yeah, that's going way back. So this is a book that came up a long time ago. I don't think I've ever read a Steinbeck book, a Stein book. Yeah, a Stein book. Um, and so this was going to be my jumping off point because it's, it's a, it's a travel. It's a it's and a travel book which I've also never read. It's your jumping on point, not jumping right. off. You jumping jumping on point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never read the the you know um, Hunter Thompson whatever the books. Um, Fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Right. Well, there's another one. Then there's like the Beat Poet. Right. I've never the, read any of those. So I was like, let me, I'll get on into the road on the road. Is that what it's you're right on the road? I kept, I wanted to say on the road, but then I kept confusing it with the, um, the road. Uh, so I was like, this is going to be my jumping on point for Stein book travels with Charlie. It's about him traveling with his dog, love dogs. I've got a very personal dog companion with me. Ooh, you have dogs. Why did you say you have a very personal Because when I first heard about this is when I only had Willie. Okay, okay. And then I found out that his dog is a poodle. And I lost all All interest interest. in reading the book. (laughs) I mean, that's a little... It feels like that that is against some of your core beliefs just to be so judgmental. It just sounds so stupid. I don't know. Maybe it's because I had you have such a picture of it in your mind, of just like, I mean, when I think of a dog, I'm just thinking like of a dog of how Ace and Mabel look, like a basic hound. 
Willie looked kind of the same thing. Just a mutt that kind of looked like a hound is what I'm thinking. A dog that's just kind of laying by your side. I'm not thinking about this little torp poodle that's probably yapping at everybody that walks by. Like, poodles are annoying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe that's going to be Steinbeck's truest test as a writer is how much he can make you love Charlie. (laughs) I'm never going to read it. I mean, I came across that book probably a decade ago, and it (laughs) still stuck with me that as soon as I found out about a poodle, I lost all interest. I really wanted to read it. Um, I did re- end up reading one book about a dog, though, more or less. Timbuktu. Okay. I'm by about it. Uh, Paul Oster. Okay. Which is about the homeless guy who's dying. And the book is told from the perspective of the dog. The dog is the narrator. That's right. It's really good. How was that? Yeah. Um, I mean, really quick before we move on, because I don't think that we'll, you know, I don't think um, that you may remember as much as you do right this moment. Um, Really quick, Mother Thing was a book that I recommended. Oh, right. Yeah. And you, you read Mother Thing, and then you sent me a interview that I wanted to talk about briefly. Yeah. Um. So Mother Thing is a horror comedy, and hearing the author talk about it as a comedy, I did find parts of the book, like, funny. It really brought it all into focus for me a lot clearer. But I loved the characterization of the main character. The the, <coughs> the wife? Yeah. Uh-huh. I loved how she is written. I love the relationship of it. I thought it was just so, had so much personality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a few things stick with me, but I, I love how she can write so, um, she can she can write in a modern pop culture sensibility you know if you think like yeah. tarantino but not in an annoying way which i again i think is what makes tarantino so good in in people like that is they know how to talk about pop culture in a way that isn't reductive and reflects their unique perspective without stretching you know trying to sound like somebody that, that you're not yeah um and so I think I think that all came through really clearly. <coughs> I think the central hook of the story is really good. It's not like scary at you know for me really, but it was just a really compelling read. I thought it was great, recommended it to you, and you thought it was good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um the interview the interviews I thought the interview I sent you I thought was pretty was really interesting for what it was. It's like a 15 minute NPR interview. And she um, asked the worst question <laughs> an interviewer could, it, it made me physically upset. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the one thing she said in the interview that I didn't fully understand or I just wasn't on the same level as her, the author is she was like, I didn't I don't consider 
the woman, the main character, to be like crazy, mm. which I don't know if it's just one of those like um, like sort of like contrarian takes just to be interesting or whatever. It's she pretty clearly has to be like at some point has to have lost her mind. Uh, she seems to be a fairly unreliable narrator from the beginning. It gets worse as the story goes on. With that being said, it's not, that's not like a huge part of the book that doesn't really matter. It just was, a, I thought it was a weird comment. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I, when I checked in with you, there was an hour left and it was literally, I had unwillingly, uh, I had unknowingly stopped basically right before everything changes. Um, and up until that point, so up until that point, she was a pretty, sh- seemed like a pretty straightforward, not in a bad way, story of like this woman trying to pull her husband out of a depression while also dealing with her own, you know, history and blah, 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 blah. And um, so I had some conflicting feelings about it. I liked it a lot, but I, it, it's in this weird place for me. And maybe I'm thinking about it too much of like um, female authors who seemingly write like bad female characters, like, um, what's the word? Uh, just like, I, I, I'm thinking of, um, is her name Gillian Flynn uh-huh. who wrote Gone Girl? Yeah. Who writes like a seemingly like retrograde storyline of, uh, like an, almost like a, a anti me too storyline. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And so it lives in this weird space of like, I guess I'm assuming because you're a female writer and you're writing about a female main character, I'm assuming it's going to be somewhat empowering. It feels weird to me that this is such a bad, in the end of the story, a bad character. And that's a very simplified version of it, obviously. She's very complicated and does some insane stuff at the end of the book. But I just, up until that point right before everything flips, I was constantly trying to figure out what is she trying to say about, you know, females, the female experience in the world, which obviously a lot of the book is still about and goes completely over my head because I don't, you know, have a lot of those lived experiences. Um, but I did like it a lot. And at the end, it ends up being, like, a pretty great short. It's not super short, but, like, pretty great, brief, like, Halloween, scary carve-em-up or whatever. Yeah. I think that the length is perfect, too. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed it. In the interview, the the question I hated the most is at the end where she goes, well, uh, any questions I didn't ask that you... (laughs) <laughs> I just want to be like, you're the interviewer. Any question? Right. <laughs> what is she going to say that? Oh, yeah. You didn't ask me about, you know, right. how smart 
I am. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that, that quite, I, I couldn't believe that she asked that, that. kind of feels like she, the, that were that interviewer may have Googled before the interview, like so, what questions do you ask during yes. an interview? <laughs> so that also goes to the second thing about the interview where she, she's like, yeah, you know, I forgot how she said it, but she was like, yeah, this, this book really had me scared or whatever. You know? Yeah. And then, like the author's like, oh, re- really? That's um, and and you can see, her, yeah. Some people say that they got scared, but I don't really see this as a horror. Yeah, it's you know? not scary at all. Yeah, and and that to me is like, the, well, I guess there are ghost elements to it. Yeah, but yeah. also to me, just made me think about like that that weak, the the weak. Um, oh, I just had the word in my head and and, uh, and I lost it, but like. The 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 um the brittle constitutions of like the NPR <laughs> sure. set that are just like goodness when uh, <laughs> when that character pulled that knife on I just couldn't handle it anymore right. you know and and hearing some like the other thing that I find frustrating too is like all those NPR things um like again I wanted to to hear. Some people talk about like, you know, Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. So I'll just go and search on like podcasts, just type mm-hmm. it in. And the thing that comes up for all these is like pop culture happy hour, right. which is not an hour and <laughs> is like the uh-huh. briefest. It's just everyone gets to say two things about it. Right. And then we are done. Yeah. We're out of here. We're gone. And, and it has that same vibe on this where it's just like, these people don't have time for this type of like genre or story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She didn't seem engaged or interested and God forbid anything has violence or is scary in any way. They mm-hmm. just, they just can't handle it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that to me was like, come on, come on. And, and I listened to the pop culture happy hour again, cause it's only like 10 minutes long. Um, <laughs> right. Once I start playing, I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm going to see this thing through with, with a nice two minute ad in the, yeah. in the beginning for like, um, a defense contractor. Of course. <laughs> right. I mean? Raytheon. Like Raytheon, <laughs> uh, which is great. Um, but, but hearing them talking, like one of them for killers of the flower moon was talking about how, you know, tough the violence was to watch. And to me the whole time, just like, it's such a hard movie to watch because of what's being done to the indigenous, you know, native Americans. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need to know that you had to like clutch your handkerchief with the smell and use some smelling salts to keep yourself, you know, alert during the violence. Like, that's 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 the point and not the point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, really, you can't. Someone got shot in the back of the head. You never, you never even heard of that before. <laughs> right. That never, it never <laughs> occurred to you that yeah. someone could get shot in the back of the head. <laughs> right. Um. You know, stuff like that. I just don't know what to do with. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that you have to watch X or Y or that horror movies are like the best and you just need to like get stronger be able to handle it better mm-hmm. but there is something about like especially in npr or like that set to be like i can't even talk about mother thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean like I, I couldn't handle it and it's like handle what it's a it's like a good 
yeah. story. It's like, a book. It's a book. It's and it's spooky, <clears throat> I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know, man. Go go back and read your like history on like peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Just a really right. chart. It's it's only four thousand pages. It walks you through just the etymology. You know, yeah, yeah. No time for that. <clears throat> um. Okay. So. Yeah, I think I feel good. All right. I mean, yeah. The last thing I'll I'm going to cross something else off the list. I just noticed quickly. Last thing else I'll um, I'll mention. I brought this up to Julia once. That's why I added to the list. I don't know what insight I was looking about, looking for. She clearly had no idea why I was bringing it up. I randomly, I, we were watching something. I don't know. Have you ever thought about the fact that women be shopping? Half the population of this country be shopping. Uh, that women a lot will sometimes wear clothes that only cover the bottom two thirds of their body. Like, could you ever, could, can you think about walking out of your house, wearing something that's not covering your shoulders? You know what I mean? Isn't that weird? Like it, it starts halfway down your (laughs) chest. (laughs) I think, and think about walking outside like that. Doesn't that feel weird? I think that comes from somebody who doesn't have boobs. Like, I, I think that everything would change if you had something on your chest that certain people were obsessed with hmm. and that you just had to keep cover. Like, then you'd be like, <clears throat> of course. But for us and for you especially, yeah, you're just like, why would I walk out with something covering my chest? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it only covers half your chest. Your upper half of your, not half, the upper third of your body is naked to the world. Uh-huh. All of this part of me and my shoulders would be bare ass naked to the world. Right, right. And this part starting from my ninnies down would be covered. covered. That's well, weird. Well, you're, you're kind of making the point that we should kind of just let, let them be free. Right. I'm not, I'm not passing any judgment. I'm just saying from like a sartorial perspective, it's strange I've never had to consider that as an outfit. Yeah. I've never had to consider walking around showing my bare ass shoulders to people. Yeah. And for some reason, well, not when I'm 41 reason. years old, it makes me uncomfortable a little bit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it makes sense because I've never done it before. And obviously women become like conditioned to it or whatever. It's like right. a completely normal outfit for them. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a interesting point, but I do think it just comes down to having boobs. Yeah. You're, I'm hearing a bunch of weird noises. Did you hear that? That yeah. was me thumbs upping a message. Oh, well. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Bye bye. Right. Right. I love you. Does that hurt hearing that? I love being your tile coach. Because your pool guy doesn't bye say anything. Bye. bye 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 bye. I'll bye. do the pool guy sign off. All right. <laughs> <laughs>